So I got this box of oxygen water in, in the mail the other day, um, like liter sized bottles of it. And I was like, who sent me this? And then my wife was like, oh, that's Steph Curry's product. And I was like, oh, well, damn, let me take a look at this then. I forgot about that. And it's true. Uh, Steph Curry is a big, big proponent of oxygen. That's O-X-I-G-E-N. It's pH balance with electrolytes and boost it with oxygen, all to help you recover and rise. And unlike most bottled waters that are recyclable, oxygen is made from 100% recycled plastic, which is healthy both for the body and for the planet, of course. So go to drinkoxygen.com. That's O-X-I-G-E-N.com. And use code OXYGEN1 at checkout for 20% off your first-time purchase. That's drinkoxygen.com. And use the promo code OXYGEN1 at checkout for 20% off your first-time purchase. Recover and rise today. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome to another hoops-adjacent episode of the Athletic NBA Show. I'm David Aldridge in D.C., not in Orlando. Haven't been in Orlando, won't be in Orlando, but that's okay. I can still talk about basketball. In L.A., my man Waz Lambre. Waz, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just trying to survive L.A.'s Indian summer, man. This thing will not end. I'm what's telling the, you. What's the temperature today? Um, I think we're, we're supposed to get up to, what, 90? We're already at 93 right now, actually. Forget right? it. Yep. Jesus. <laughs> man, and y'all still sending that damn smoke all the way across the country. Listen, I almost listen, choked on that shit today when wait. I was running. <laughs> Jesus. We're doing our best with it. <laughs> to kill the planet. Um, anyway, uh, our guest this week, uh, friend uh, to all on this show, uh, one of the great NBA minds out there. Now working for NBC Sports, does the great Haber Show uh, podcast, Tom Haberstroh. Tom, what's up, sir? I just got to say, that was a perfect intro. Most people fumble when they say Haber Show right after the, my name. And you just <laughs> stuck the landing. Oh, I'm a professional, Tom. Come on, Tom. You tell <laughs> it to a Hall of Famer, <laughs> literally. <laughs> He's good, but I just heard that you, you waited for a long time. Da to talk to Le- ask LeBron a question, and I did. They, and they just froze you. me out. They gave me the shutout like they did in this thing when my boy wanted to make that bet before the end of the race, and they wouldn't let him bet. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I got, I got, I got to own it. It's okay. It's all right. I'm not as important as others who are now on television all the time. I get it. I understand. Mm. <laughs> That's how it rolls. You know what? Because I was that self-important little asshole too. <laughs> About 20 years ago. So it's okay. <laughs> well, DA, if you remember, I think it was 2013 NBA Finals. I had yeah. raised my hand to ask Spo a question. Mm-hmm. It was after a game. And I had asked him a question, like something about, you know, how they handled Tim Duncan or whatever it was. And yeah. I had just finished the question. Spo answered it. And I put up my hand with that little twirl motion, like follow up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. Um, whether it was Tim Frank or Mark, whoever it was, like gave me the nod from the PR ops being like, yep, I got you uh, follow up. Go mm-hmm. ahead. And so I spoke into the mic and Bobby Ramos. I remember Bobby. <laughs> Bobby yeah. Ramos interrupted me and just stole my mic and 
took the podium from me. And the and the feed, the TV feed showed it. And so I was answering the question, doing my follow-up, and then I hear Bobby Ramos go, Bobby Ramos from da, 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 da. And I I just got totally uh one upped. It was one of my, it was probably my most famous moment of my uh NBA writing career was getting Bobby Ramos. Can I can I can I make a confession? I'm very happy that that you didn't say I bogarted the mic or I stole <laughs> or I big timed you and said you know you know Joe journalism here from TNT or ESPN or whatever. So I'm glad that story didn't involve me. Bobby on the left. Bobby Ramos, bottom line coach. How does a team in their fourth finals come out in the finals, their first home game, and get beat to the ball? to get stomped the way they did. The, the kind of heart that your championship team has to come out tonight like they did mentally has to be something that's a problem. Clearly. Let's bring D.A. into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comet is. As Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. Turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and like the bullshit and his braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. David Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing him. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he got their lungs out in front of everybody on TV. Michael was not your friend. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo in Iowa. Iowa. Hoops Welcome to Hoops. Five, four, we have ignition. So, we, you know, we're, we're taping this on Tuesday. The finals start Wednesday. Um... I, it's hard to believe we're here. Uh, we're, we're at the yeah. finals. They 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 made it. Um, and I, I actually let's do let, let me flip this. I was going to do this at the end, but I want to do this at the beginning because we are talking about the finals in Orlando. And the reason I want to do that is because um, I watched the end of the Stanley Cup last night, and they got through their playoffs the same way with two pods, right, in Toronto and in Edmonton, and they got through it okay. And, and Tom, you wrote a lot about, and you did a lot of good stuff at the beginning of the bubble about whether this was going to work. Um, you know, and you talked to a lot of doctors and, and you had the right amount of, um, you know, not trying to assume or guess what would happen, but also understanding that bad things could happen. Um, and I just wonder, as we get to the end of this thing now, and we really have not had any positive tests um, for months, two months now, I think. And some of that's because a lot of teams have left. I understand that. Um, but what do you, how do you think they've done? How do you think the NBA did? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there was an email that um, the NBA sent out earlier today. Uh, NBA restart by the numbers. And they gave out like, 50 stats. And so I'm eating this up, of course, because like my whole thing is stats, right? I'm eating it up. Yeah. I'm reading these numbers like Miami Heat versus Los Angeles Lakers. Four, Miami is seeking the fourth NBA championship. Four, Heat President Pat Riley coached the Lakers to four NBA championships during the 1980s. Seven, the NBA campus featured seven practice facilities, which include a state-of-the-art weight rooms, da 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 And I'm reading this and I'm like, where's the zero? That says zero positive tests in the bubble because that's the most important thing. Like of all yeah. of the numbers that they could have talked about in the restart, they could have just put one number, zero. 
uh, because there hasn't been a positive test within the bubble yet. And I think what they're doing, the NBA is doing, is they're not counting their chickens before they hatch, right? So yeah. they don't want to boast that they haven't had zero, they haven't had a positive test, but it really is not just a basketball accomplishment to get to this to this point, but it really is a public health uh, experiment, a wildly successful public health experiment. What they pulled off in you know these last few months, and I'll be honest, I didn't think we'd get to this point. I don't think uh, the people I talk to in the NBA, whether it's execs or coaches or players, felt really good about the odds that this was going to get pulled off. Um, but I think the NBA did a wonderful job of uh, trust of having all these players, coaches, executives trust the system and rely on the system. And that goes a long way with Adam Silver. And you're seeing the NFL today. Um, having an outbreak on one of its teams. Right. And right. it just goes to show that, you know, there was a lot of skepticism about creating a bubble. And yet it does seem like that's the only viable way to keep this virus out of its more four major sports. And I think it really is a testament to the league office. And yes, Adam Silver will not, you know, you know, pound his chest over this because we're still in the NBA finals. There's family members who are coming in and media so we're not out of the woods yet, but it's really impressive what they've done. It's amazing what could happen when you combine leadership with resources. You know, when you have like an unlimited amount of money, like say the United States federal government, <laughs> and you combine that with leadership, the way the NBA did, they put their resources together and they got the best, smartest people on the subject matter together and said, how do we do this? What's the best way to execute this plan? And yeah. they just did it. It's it's crazy what can happen when you do that. <laughs> so now they got it. They may have to do it, but they may have to do it with four bubbles next year. And I just... Boy, I Man. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, no. Yeah, the, the I, here in Charlotte where I'm at... Um, the Hornets are doing their little like mini camp, mini bubble. Right. And yeah. it's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre to think about how these eight other teams are doing these mini <laughs> bubbles. And then like Steph Curry and Draymond aren't even participating in them. Like the, right. the ones that the few stars that we want to see in uniform playing and media availabilities and all this, they're not partaking. And uh, I had Brandon Payne, Steph Curry's trainer on my, uh, my pod, the Haber show uh, this week. Nice plug. Um, yeah. And they're preparing for the restart to or next season to start up late January, early February at the earliest. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a lot. Um, it's a lot for the NBA. It just feels like they're juggling so many different things, whether it's the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, the pandemic, keeping it out of the Orlando bubble. But then you also have these other bubbles and you also have to think about next year, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I don't – I just don't – you know, they're going to push it back I think as much as they can to, and still get 82. I don't know when that – I don't know when that last drop dead date is. Um, I, 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 You know, we've heard as late as March potentially. I mean yeah. Hollinger and I wrote a piece a couple months ago about potentially March starting uh, with the season. I don't know how you get 82 in. If you wait till March, I think you can get 82 in if you start in February um, or January, but March is going to be difficult. I don't know how you do 82. Mm -hmm. And so 
But if they want fans, I mean, I think that's what they're going to have to do. And I don't know how else they can do it um, but unless they do push it back as, as far as possible. I mean, the, we're not going to have a vaccine in December. You know what I mean? Like, it's not not one that anybody trusts anyway, you know? So um, I, why the dedication to 82? Besides, like, is this just a straight up um, TV contract obligations? Like, yeah, why are well, they so dedicated of, to I think 82? it's a lot of it. 70 is really more than 82, I guess is what mm, I would say. So okay. Most of the, most of the local TV deals say 70 games. You know, if you, we, you have to play at least 70 games for us to pay out for the full season. And so that's why, I, at least my understanding is that's what most of the teams are pushing for. And that's why the league and, and they want, I think Tom, more dates, right? I mean, more dates, more home dates means more revenue. Or more, more potential home dates anyway. Yes, certainly. And I think, I mean, I've been writing about this for forever is this idea of why 82 and, mm-hmm. you know, David Stern had his take and Adam Silver started out with a similar take, which is, you know, this is how it's always been. This is the way the NBA season goes. But even in the last few years, there's been a shift in rhetoric where Adam has said, there's no, there's nothing magical about 82. Um, mm-hmm. And I was surprised. I don't know about you guys. I was surprised that they decided to go with the traditional seven game series all the way through in the, in the bubble. Uh, me too. Yes, me too. I was very surprised by that. Now I think that's, that again has to do with, with getting enough inventory for your TV partners to make them feel, you know, more whole than they would be normally. Um, I thought, and, and I recommended that they go to, you know, I was advocating the, the mini series in the first round. Yep. I thought that would have been incredible. A whole lot of fun. Um, Man, if they would have went best of five, the Clippers would have been in the conference champions. Yeah. How about that? Right. <laughs> right. Right. How about that? I guess we need to talk about the news of the day, don't we? <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, Waz. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should. Well, let's, I can't the Clippers. I love you guys. Any of the Clippers organization people who are listening to this, we love you guys. But that was just, <laughs> we do, I, I just we couldn't do. resist. We kid because we love. Um, well, well, let's save that for the back end. Let's do the series while we're thinking about it. Um, we got Miami and the Lakers. Um, oh, you know, I, I think Miami reminds me, this is the most – Detroit Pistons 2004 team I've seen since that team Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of they are so locked in and they are so, and it is, and they are spreading the wealth so selflessly at the moment that I think they're going to be hard to beat. I'm not saying Lakers won't beat them, but I think they're going to be way harder to beat than people seem to believe uh, going into these finals. I've got a better comp for you. I think this Miami Heat team is the team that beat them in 2011. Wow. Dallas okay, Mavericks Dallas, 2011. Yeah. Wow. Okay. They had this Dirk Nowitzki guy who seemed to be overrated, soft, couldn't win the big one. They had a bunch of wily veterans who rallied around and they just ran the table and took down LeBron. And one of the weapons that they used, not the weapon, but in taking down Goliath, what did they go to? Zone. Zone defense. Yeah. And the Miami Heat lived that. Eric Spolstra yeah. went back and essentially built that next team from scratch because he had to rethink everything. LeBron James cocooned himself for weeks, sheltering himself from the storm, the noise outside after losing the 2011 finals, and had to rethink everything. Um. And I see a lot of similarities in this Miami Heat team where they're super well coached. 
They have a group of guys who are like a mix of, you know, Andre Godala, like veteran types, um, but also up and coming with, uh, with Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero. And they love to go zone. And so the Miami Heat used the zone more than any other team in the regular season. They used it in large part to kick the Boston Celtics out of that series. And I expect to see a healthy dose of zone going against LeBron because this Lakers team is star-studded. They got AD, LeBron, but they're also going big with JaVale McGee at five and Dwight Howard at five. And so I suspect that just to like pull off that scab and reopen that wound, that Eric Spolster knows that the one way to get to LeBron is to try to throw him off and relive that 2011 Dallas series. He's a lot different now as a player, but I suspect that they're going to go back to zone and see what the Lakers do to counter that because they haven't seen much of it this summer. I mean, this, uh, this, this postseason. but I really think the team I think about most is 2011 Dallas in a cruel twist of fate. You know, what's so interesting Tom that you would um, bring up that, that series in particular, because for our listeners who don't know, Tom Haberstroh was a young pup, cut his teeth, <laughs> <laughs> With that original Heatle squad, um, Habistro, of course, was a member of the original Heat Index. The Heat Index. The Heat Index. <laughs> Habistro was part of that. Wait, what, what's him, the laughter um, about, Aldridge? Come on, Mike, man. Mike, make, cause, no, because I used to make fun of all the guys that moved to Miami just to cover LeBron. That, right? that, that's <laughs> me. Hardest assignment me. in history, right? <laughs> Yo, I remember. Right. We're going to send you to South Beach. <laughs> right. You have to live in Miami for the next three years. Wow. <laughs> we need to have a telethon for these guys. So I was living in Wethersfield, Connecticut. I was a freelance. Oh I was a freelance guy at ESPN, being like a researcher for uh, for ESPN, the magazine, and Insider. And Kevin Arnovitz called me up one day, and he was like, "This was like the summer right after LeBron said he was taking his town to South Beach." And Kevin Arnovitz calls me, the great Kevin Arnovitz. He says, "This might be a little too early to say, but there is a chance that ESPN allows me to be the bureau chief." of a new team of reporters covering LeBron James in Miami. And I would love for you to be a part of it. Would wow. you want to move down to South beach and cover <laughs> the LeBron James and the Miami heat? And I was like, are you serious? I was so, oh, I was like blown goodness. away. It's like the, the prospect of a, this was so, this was so different was the idea of like covering one team from a national level with multiple reporters. Yeah. Like we'd see, we'd seen ESPN LA cover the LA sports or ESPN Dallas or ESPN Boston right. and ESPN New York. That was happening at that point. But the idea of four reporters for one team, for not one, one city, team. one team. This wasn't <laughs> yeah. ESPN Miami. This was ESPN heat, you know, the heat index. <laughs> and, um, and we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of that. And uh, it was, it was insane. They they asked me if I would move down to South Beach. I remember going to a dinner, the preseason dinner with J.A. Donde, uh, Hollinger, Winhurst, Henry Abbott, Mark Stein. I mean, a who's who in NBA media. And they are all like, hey, uh, so you're moving down to Miami? I was like, yeah. And J.A. shot me this look. He goes, you better be moving to South Beach. <laughs> and I was like, uh, maybe. He goes, no, if you're 25 years old. Yeah. And you're going down to Miami, you better be 
uh, <laughs> going to Miami Beach. And so sure enough, <laughs> my then girlfriend, now wife, we uh, we moved to the South Beach and we lived there for six years, DA. Man. I might have had to tell the, the girlfriend, um, you know, I'm going to be really busy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should stay in Connecticut. I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you what. You're a better Tom, man than I am, Tom. That three, my, uh, my wife, she was getting her master's degree in education at the time up in West Hartford, Connecticut at St. Joe's, where mm-hmm. Jim Calhoun just took over the men's basketball team um, there at St. Right. Joe's. And she wasn't finishing up until January of 2020. 2011. So right. I moved down there by myself. This was a true testament to my uh, wow. my uh, engagement <laughs> or wow. relationship. Talk about I moved to Miami by myself wow. as a 24 year old, moving to South Beach and lived by myself in a studio <laughs> apartment on Miami Beach for three months before she came down. Lord have mercy. We started with 22 teams heading down to Orlando, and now we are down to the final two. That's right. Basketball's final two teams are set to score off to see who will be crowned basketball's champion. And there is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate basketball's championship, DraftKings will have millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs all week long. So get in on all of the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick six players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. There's no better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there is no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And we'll be right back after this. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. And and Tom, the, the reason why it's important that I brought that up is because you know, that's that's where you sort of got your start as a professional NBA media guy was to cover LeBron with the Heat. And now in this finals, 10 years later, it's the Heat versus LeBron in the finals, right? Like it's it's sort of poetic in, in a way. And I wanted to ask you because, you know, you got to know the the sort of management structure in Miami has not changed in 10 years since, you know, that union was first formed. It's still Spo, it's still Riley, it's still Andy Ellsberg and the rest of the crew. Um, 
What do you see in that team, this team, that reminds you of the things that you were learning about Miami as an organization way back then? Well, Udonis has them. It starts there. Guy from Miami, mm-hmm. Liberty City. Um, wow. He's kind of everything that the Heat stand for. Is a heat, you know, yeah. they, they started that phrase, Heat Lifer. And of course, then D-Way went to Chicago. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> you, you roll your eyes after a while the last few years when they set, kept talking about Heat Lifer, Heat Culture. And you rolled your eyes because like the face of the team was Hassan Whiteside. Right, you know, right. and that's the leader that you're you're hitching your wagon to, like heat culture, and you're the the guy is Hassan Whiteside. So it never really made sense over the last few years, and and that's why I think a lot of national media kind of rolled their eyes at the idea of heat culture um, when it was waiters and Hassan Whiteside, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right, but Udonis Haslam never left. He was always the constant, and um, I remember one time I was. Asking Spo, it's like, why do you have Juwan Howard still on the team? Because he, I mean, Juwan Howard was way past his prime. I mean, right. way, he was on his and last. And that's a valuable right. roster spot in your head, right. analytical mind. Like you're wasting a spot. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, you couldn't, you couldn't try, you know, just a, a flyer on someone, but instead you you use Juwan Howard. And Spo, his whole thing was, as soon as he takes that jersey off. He lose, uh, loses a lot of clout and credibility in that locker room. But if Juwan Howard is essentially an assistant coach in a player's uniform, he carries a lot more weight because he's yeah. one of them. And mm. so Udonis Haslam is that now for this team, is where he is essentially an assistant coach in a player's uniform, but he carries so much more credibility and can put his hand on a guy's shoulder. And it's not a suit looking at him. It's, it's a, a uniform. And... So, like, when you go into the Miami Heat locker room and all the hallways are covered with photos of iconic moments along their championship runs, and they literally call it Championship Alley, you know, when you're immersed in that and you're surrounded by Pat Riley and that ethos of just championship mentality, keep the main thing the main thing, which is something LeBron stole from Pat Riley, like, (laughs) it's hard not to drink that Kool-Aid, like – it's hard not to get caught up in that as a as a reporter, as a writer, seeing that they've won all this time and LeBron James takes his talents to South Beach. Why? Because L- Pat Riley dropped all the, the jewelry on the table. And right. so now to see this team, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, it's been quite a whiplash from what the Heat were with LeBron and then after LeBron, and then the Hassan Whiteside era, and now it's just the, the mainstays have been Pat, Andy Ellisberg, Spo, Adam Simon, the assistant GM, and Udonis Haslam. Right. And that yeah. will I don't think will ever change. Well, and it's it, it wasn't, and it's not just the LeBron teams that were kind of, I mean, that's just going back to when Riles first got there. What's the first yep. thing he did? He went and got Alonzo Mourning. That's the first yep. thing he did. <laughs> You know, and then you you know, and build a and build a, a finals caliber team around one of the top two or three centers in the league and got Tim Hardaway and all those guys as well. Um and then Dwayne Wade, what do you do? It went and got Shaq. You know what I mean? Like so he they've always been a star driven franchise. And no disrespect to any of these guys. They're going to be stars from this group. But this is very different to me 
just thematically from the yeah. way that the Miami Heat have contended for championships over the last 20 years. Yeah, and um, I'm just going to say it now. I'm picking the Heat to win this series. Wow. <laughs> What's the, give, me the, give, me the, give me the bullet points. Give me the rationale. Oh, like three, or five, three or four things you think they're going to do. In the two matchups this season. Because I was close. Yeah. I, I, yeah. In the two yeah, matchups ahead, go, this go season, yeah. the Heat played Myers Leonard and Kendrick yeah. Nunn in their starting lineup and got blasted. With those two guys yeah. on the floor. That starting lineup was outscored 58 to 32 in 21 minutes with Myers <laughs> Leonard starting at the five and Kendrick Nunn starting at the one. Those guys can't get any minutes now. They're gone. They're done. Right. They got Goran Dragic and Jay Crowder in those spots. And not only that, they're playing a lot more zone effectively. Bam Adebayo plays Anthony Davis really well if they're not going zone. And then they for LeBron, they got Jay Crowder. They got Andre Iguodala. They got... Jimmy Butler, they have a, I mean, Solomon Hill could even be used in, in minutes against LeBron just to mm-hmm. throw him off. Mm-hmm. They got bodies to go at LeBron. They got Bam for, for Anthony Davis. And I think if the Lakers continue to try to go big against the Heat, it's not going to work out in their favor. And without the home court advantage, that's neutralized. Um, I think the Heat win this one because I think they have answers for LeBron and Anthony Davis. I just I have would, so many um, thoughts. I, yeah, I would. <laughs> let, let me, I, I would just. I would start by saying, are we are we sure that Bam Adebayo neutralizes Anthony Davis? Because to me, that's the one thing that I think the Lakers have that nobody's had an answer for throughout these playoffs is that Anthony Davis is playing at that level he played at a couple of years ago with New Orleans when they got out of the first round and then they gave Golden State a lot of problems in that second round before they just got out-talented, right, at the end. Um, I I don't know. He seems so locked in. But you tell me, what do you, why do you think Adebayo can, can guard him effectively? Well, he's guarded him effectively when he has. I mean, this season um, – you know, he's, he guarded AD really, really well. Um, I think the, with him guarding AD, the, the Lakers points per possession way down. Um, yeah. AD is six for 14 when guarded by Bam. And it, even if you just want to throw out the regular season, cause that was like a year ago. Um, <laughs> seriously, I think the last game they played was like December. Um, you know, I think out is super smart. He's long. He's, strong as as an ox out there and so the other thing that i like about this matchup is that the heat or the lakers don't shoot threes they don't they have the second fewest three pointers of any playoff team uh per game and i think the heat are going to pack the paint just like the spurs did just like the mavs did and demand Mm -hmm. the lakers to beat them from the outside and almost kind of like luring them to be a jump shooting team and that's not their strength their strength is getting the rock into the paint and I think with that zone and just bodying up the paint, it's going to make things difficult for for the Lakers. And I'm not saying they're going to sweep the Lakers. I'm not saying they're going to win or five or six. I just think over the long haul, um, you know, the Lakers don't have the shooting to contend with. Maybe Danny Green wakes up, but I really yeah. think that the Heat's yeah. are going to the Heat are going to pack the paint and demand that you know Rondo, Caruso, LeBron, AD, Markeith are going to make their shots from deep. And I just just don't trust the Lakers shooters enough. 
You know, it's interesting that you bring up the Lakers offense because I think that's been the headline of the entire bubble. Um, you know, I'm old enough to remember when the seeding games were happening and the chat was, <laughs> what are the Lakers doing on offense? Their offense is a mess. The Lakers have a terrible offense. How are they going to do it? And it was, you know, and I remember when they were playing Portland and when they were playing Houston and and when they were playing Denver, the chat was always, what are they going to do on offense? Are they going to score? Are they going to do this? But this team has made earned their living on defense all season long before the seeding games. And in the playoffs, they shut Houston down. They shut Portland down. They shut down Denver. These are three quality offenses that everybody would, would conclude that, no, these teams are teams that have the ability to score on people and the Lakers shut them down. And I, I just think that's where they're going to win the series. They're, they're going to stop the heat. Um, and, you know, I will admit, um, especially in regards to this heat team, this is exactly what I thought the Bucks would do and the Celtics <laughs> would do to them. <laughs> so, so just take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I assume yeah. that the NBA's quote unquote best defense in the Bucks would stop them and, you know, manufacture enough offense to get over. Then I was like, no, surely, you know, whatever. Bud didn't adjust. The personnel didn't match up defensively to stop the heat with all the off ball stuff and playing in space and all of that stuff. Surely. Boston, with all their athletes and their wing depth and their cohesion mm-hmm. and continuity, they're going to stop the heat. And they didn't. <laughs> but I'm just telling you guys, the Lakers have been elite on the defensive end. Um, Vogel has made adjustments at every single turn against every single opponent. You know, snuffing out Dame even before the injury was not easy minimizing Harden and Russ and the small ball, uh, extreme small ball situation in Houston was not easy. And then Jokic, who basically fish filleted the, 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 the Clippers, Jamal Murray killing people all playoffs. They neutralized those guys in such a way that, you know, they could win those games. And I think that's what I think the Lakers and Laker fans can hang their hat on is that the Lakers defense, I think they're so huge. Um, Bam's going to have a hard trouble, hard time scoring over that length. I think Jimmy, they're going to switch up the looks on Jimmy and Goran as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they gotten a taste of the off ball, crazy sort of beautiful game stuff, Golden State S stuff that Miami does when they played against, um, Portland. And of course, Denver never stops moving. So they're used to those type of looks. I think they're going to get it done on defense. That's my long-winded way of saying Tom is a sicko. He's a crazy man. Uh, All right. So here's what I everybody. I know, right? Right? I'm like... (laughs) Terry and Laguna Beach, you're next. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Here's why why I'm going to say, and I, Tom, look, I think this is going to be a very competitive series. I think this is going six, maybe seven. Um, I, I think you, uh, the Miami is going to be right there. I think everything that you said makes a lot of sense. I just, the reason why I'm picking the Lakers is I go back to that Houston series and I just go back to that was, I, I thought Houston in a lot of ways was, was kryptonite for the Lakers. Not, not because they were, you know, incredibly talented. It was just the, the way that they played, which is we're going to go, we want to run, we want to be up-tempo, we want to do all of this stuff. And then defensively, we don't care if you score. We're just going to get to take the ball to the basket and push it. 
And yet I thought there would be a wear down effect, right? Over six or seven games. And that's where I thought the Lakers might, but they shot an insane, insanely good percentage on threes. They shot 38 on threes. I mean, for them, that's insanely good, right? Yeah. I mean, against Houston, I mean, LeBron was 10 to 34. Um, um, Danny Green was 11 to 26. Rondo was eight of 18. They had an EFG of 585, which is really quite good um, for them. So I just think they've they've shown in the bubble. And that's why I think where, where normally you would talk about the home court being not a factor would be important, but they've played in that bubble now for two months and they played really well. They played really well against good teams. They've they've really they've picked it up against Portland. They picked it up against Houston. They snuffed Denver out basically. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's going to be really competitive though because you're right. They can throw more people at LeBron than anybody, um, and nobody knows how to guard him better than Iguodala ever. You know. So yeah. Um, yeah. You're going to make them make threes. I'm just saying they did make threes when somebody else made them make threes in the bubble. And that's what I'm kind of going back to. Maybe they regressed it to me. Maybe they shoot 31% in these finals, you know, because of the pressure and everything else. And then I think Miami probably wins if that's the case. No doubt. And I I definitely think the Lakers are going to win several games in this series. I think they're <laughs> going to be awesome. Um, I think this is going to be an epic series. LeBron is insanely good. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to bet against LeBron James in a game seven. Uh, but in, in this bubble, so much something's, I just feel like this is the year of the upset of the underrun dog, like the Cinderella, um, yeah. the Miami heat have been waiting for this moment for six damn years. Yeah. And they've, they've been waiting for this moment to go at LeBron and he's 15 and five against the heat since he left. But all those five losses have been on the road. Like he's been really good at home in front of his crowd against the Heat. But um, the Heat have had their number when it's not LeBron's not playing on the road. And so I think when you're when he's not playing at home. So I think like, you know, you combine the fact that the Heat have these veterans who've been here before when you have uh, when you have Andre Iguodala and you have Bam Bam Adebayo, who has been as as rock solid as anybody. I thought his shoulder was hurt. Coming out mm-hmm. of game five and then game six, he just looked as good as he's ever been, you know, and they shut down Giannis. They made sure sh- like they, they go big with Giannis at the four and then Brooke Lopez at the five, just like the Lakers do right. with Anthony Davis and, and Dwight. And still yeah. the, the heat didn't, didn't matter. It didn't matter. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. And maybe my, you know, was in LA, Tom from South Beach is coming out here. But <laughs> I, um, I just, I, I think the, t- the Heat are so different than what they looked like in the regular season. The other thing that I point to is that Jay Crowder was unbelievably good against Milwaukee. Hit every damn shot he took. And he was yeah. ice cold. He was awful against the so Celtics. So he's due. No, right. He, well, yeah, yeah. I'm saying Jake Crowder was <laughs> awful, couldn't hit a shot against the Celtics, and they still won that series. So right. you throw it all together, and it's going to be an amazing series. I can't wait to watch. Um, and as I as I posted today, the the real winner here is John Calipari because he's going to have yes. his first. The yes, first, that was a great stat. You you say was it 56 players? Is that was was that the number? First Calipari coach player. 
to ever win a title is going to be either Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero or Anthony Davis. The curse yeah. is going to be lifted after this series. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Think about Derrick Rose, is, Marcus Vogel have Calipari ties? Am I making that up? What's that? Who is that? Vogel? Doesn't he have Calipari ties? He was ties? at Kentucky. He, well, was, Rick, he, was, he was on Rick Pitino's staff. Oh, he was, was on like Pitino's yeah. staff. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. 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 So and they yeah and they I did I thought Rondo but then I looked it up and no Rondo was uh, was Tubby Smith no so, he was yeah. a Tubby Smith guy yeah, yeah yeah and you know the funny thing David um, and Tom is that had I not picked the Lakers last October yeah. I might be inclined to take Tom's hipster stance because <laughs> in fact last October. You know, and people, a lot of people have short memories, but I don't. Picking the Lakers was the hipster stance. The Clippers were inevitable. The Clippers <laughs> were going to crush everything that moved. The Clippers, Clippers, Clippers was all I could hear anywhere that I went. And I was just like, I don't know. In a playoff series, LeBron seems to find ways to get stuff done against teams. I give him a pretty decent shot to beat the freaking Clippers of Paul George. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so that's why I picked the Lakers. So if I hadn't, you know, gone against the grain a year ago, Tom, I might be inclined to be as as cool and against the grain as you, but I I just can't do it. That's Waz <laughs> from Temecula. <laughs> well, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the Clippers. So, what do we think, fellas, about Doc's Doc out mm. in L.A.? I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. I'm just surprised it took this long. To be honest with you, Waz had I a mean, great for me, point. As as somebody who's been around the, the the Clippers for the entirety of the season outside of the bubble, um, Doc was the culture setter. The culture of the Clippers was Doc. Um, his sort of ease with 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 the media. Um, mm-hmm. His sort of um, the way that he handled the players in a sense that like, I'm going to treat you guys like adults and, you know, we're going to treat you with respect and this, this and that. Like he was, you know, he was the leader of the organization. And so it's very risky. Um, my man, um, Kevin Pelton said this might be the riskiest coach firing in the history of the league. Like this mm-hmm. is a top three team, no matter pretty much how you slice it this year. The Clippers were one of the three or four best teams in the NBA. Um, they were good as hell this year, right? Like there's no reason to think they won't be very, very good to excellent next season. Right. Um, but the, the thing about it with great expectation, with great expectation comes great consequences. You know, this team was supposed to be all in win now. This is not a second round exit team. And right. so I understand Balmer wanting heads to roll after not even getting to the conference championships, I get it. Um, I think I probably, if I were in their position, would have brought Doc back, you know, for continuity purposes, for the leadership, for stewardship, for all of those things, particularly when you consider their two best players, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? Like these guys are not leaders in sorry, that way. We'll fix, that. we'll fix it in post. Don't worry. What? I'm just saying they're, they're not leaders in that way. They're not culture setters. That was Doc. And so this is a huge gamble in that sense. I don't know. Maybe Paul George and Kawhi respond to the embarrassment of this playoff loss and sort of take the reins and take um, responsibility and ownership and don't w- make people wait two hours just so they could utter two sentences to the media. Maybe they switch up their vibe next year because of how, you know, they were just so embarrassed in the playoffs. But Doc Rivers was the culture of this team. So I don't know. 
Well, why? it's funny you mentioned that. Go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I was going to say, Waz, you, you had a great tweet about how Doc Rivers' send-off message didn't mention Steve Ballmer. No, it did not. <laughs> and usually outgoing coaches like Billy Donovan, I'm sure. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure he said, look, I Sam Presti, uh, what an organization. Sam, you've yeah. been great to me, da-da-da-da, and so forth. You didn't see that with Doc Rivers. Um, I expected them to roll it back for the simple fact that the bubble was such an extreme circumstance. Talk about Trez mm-hmm. and his, his family tragedy. You talk about Lou Williams and that whole deal. You talk about Doc Rivers being the face of Black Lives Matter day in and day yeah. out, having uh, one of the most poignant moments of the bubble. Um, then you had just the, the just oddity of it all. Um, it just made sense to me is that you roll this back one more time in and hopefully normal circumstances next season. But to me, what this might be about is that Steve Ballmer might've gotten close with Ty Lue and realized that if Ty Lue was going to go down at, at the alt was at the altar with whether it's Philly or new Orleans, wherever it was. And he realized he couldn't let that go. Um, yes, I completely agree with you on that. Tom. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think, think that's, that's exactly, I think happened. that's what is going on there. Yeah. I think, I think Ty Lue, is the guy. Um, and if I were, if I were Steve Ballmer, I mean, if you're going to fire Doc Rivers, I don't know who else you bring in to Waz's point. I mean, this is a championship team, you know, caliber team. And and there are a lot of really good young assistants who are ready to be head coaches, but I don't know if this wants to mm-hmm. be, you want them to have this be their first job um, as a head coach. So you need a guy that knows what he's doing and has dealt with mercurial personalities. Let's put it that way. Because it's funny, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and look, this is fourth hand, okay? So I'm not saying that this is fact or anything. So he has a friend who's friends with Joachim Noah, and it was clear that the vibe on that Clipper roster in that in that room was just kind of not there this year. You know, it was just kind of weird. Um, you know, that's funny, D.A., because my man, um, Jovan Buha, with the help of Sam, Sam Amick, put out a piece a few months ago, basically outlining this very fact. And the Clippers proceeded to trash him and call him a liar. And I watched him sort of do a fake ass freeze out <laughs> of Jovan mm-hmm. for writing that story, which ended up being what? True. But right. go on. <laughs> Wait, they froze yeah. him out like media was? Uh, it was crazy, Tom. I'm telling you, like I, I think it was like maybe the first home game after the story came out, because it came out during a road trip. They had like a long, maybe like five game road trip, and it was the first home game back. And because it's the Clippers the the most the person that you have to talk to after games unless you want to wait two hours for Kawhi to, you know, clip his toenails, was Patrick Beverly. So Patrick Beverly is essentially him and Lou Will were essentially the team's mouthpiece, not Paul George, not Kawhi. That's those are the people you could talk to immediately after every single game. Um, And Patrick Beverly comes back after the, you know, the road trip or whatever. And everybody's asking questions. They ask their question. Then Yovan asks his and it's a one word answer. Next question. And then Yovan went to the next guy, did a thing. Next question. To the point where even in the bubble, when they're doing the stupid Zoom interviews, Paul George um, fielded a question from Yovan. They said, Yovan Buha from The Athletic, blah, 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 blah. 
One word answer. Next question. They were still pissed about it in the bubble. Wow. Right? Mm. Of because of a story that outlined the fact that this wasn't the most connected group. Sounds like it hit a little too close to bone. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash AthleticNBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash AthleticNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash AthleticNBA. Yeah, I will say this from experience, having having gone on TV and written and said that this is, year, you know, during the during the Blake Griffin, Chris Paul era Clippers that those guys did not really care for one another very much. And the locker room was pretty toxic and have Mm. them push back at me. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That, that happens there. So (laughs) that happens there. Um, So I want to, I want to get to a couple of other things with you, Tom, before we go. Um, Number one, big foodie, big, 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 big foodie. You are. What do we think about Top Chef announcing they're going to be in Portland next year? I'm so glad you brought this up, DA. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Portland. Portland is a great food city. It is a great NBA city. Like when I get a work trip to go up to Portland, I get so excited. Um, Mm -hmm. And Top Chef has announced that they're going to do, I guess, what like – a bubble top chef because they're shooting right. as we speak in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I guess kind of like uh, real world road rules challenges that they're going to have a bunch of these chefs in a reality TV show under the same roof and competing to win top chef. And man, um, I love top chef. We do a podcast called pack your knives with Kevin Arnovitz on <laughs> count the dings network. And we're reliving the 2009 Las Vegas, season six, Las Vegas season right now as we speak. We're recapping every episode. And I just assumed that we would be doing this recap, a rewatch of past seasons because Top Chef wouldn't be coming around. And no, they announced yesterday that um, that they're going to do Top Chef Portland. And I love it. It's like sports. During the pandemic, when everything shut down, there, no, there were no sports. That was my sports. Was watching Top yeah. Chef every week. And I know you're a fan of the show. Um, I am. I do like the show. Yes. Not as much as you do. I have, I have missed some seasons, but I thought it was a great year this year. And I was very happy they picked Melissa to win. Uh, she, I thought was clearly the best chef uh, of, of everybody this year. 
Um, so yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, but you're, you are a big, big fan. You even had Colicchio on your podcast. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Me and, uh, me and Kevin, we got Tom Colicchio on the pod and we asked him a whole bunch of stuff and it turns out DA that Tom Colicchio is a huge basketball fan. He knowed, is that right? Sorry. He knew, he knew (laughs) Dean Smith personally, Dean Smith would write him letters, handwritten letters and get him tickets to Carolina games. Huh. Isn't that wild? How did that relationship come about? Um, he was a chef in New York City, and he had a friend who knew Dean Smith. And um, hey, Dean's in town. Do you mind if you uh, you know make a reservation for Dean Smith? Tom Colicchio's brother is a high school basketball coach, and they grew up loving basketball. And so when when the okay. restaurant manager said, "Hey, can you make a table for Dean Smith?" It was like God Himself had asked for rest, right? And so um, he became, he struck it uh, close friends with Dean Smith. And, um, you know, we, we talked about on the pod, the 93 Chris Weber championship, the timeout, all that stuff. And so it's really cool when you get to know some of these like non-sports or non-NBA celebrities that you're starstruck about. And then they suddenly are like, like, I think it was like Rob Lowe recently when he was talking about the Lakers. And I was like, wait, Rob Lowe, like, actually knows the nba like does he's not like a casual fan he knows the nba yes and that's that's always fun when when you have actors and actresses that you think don't know anything about it and they start spouting off numbers and i watched this game the other night on league pass and all that sort of thing um I want to i want to get you guys out on this though um you know we've had this incredible tumultuous season in the NBA that, you know, we, we now think is going to get finished. Obviously is going to get finished. Now the league is, they pulled it off. Um, but they, you know, they, they did so trying to weave in this, these social justice messages and this, and, and emphasizing that at every turn that they could, um, while they were in Orlando. And I just wonder from you guys, what do you think, what do you think happens the day after the finals are over? Does are we do we just stop talking about these things now until the you know after the election or where is the staying power I guess I'm wondering or is there staying power with and with the NBA WNBA whoever you know advocating these really large off the court social justice issues and will the energy remain when everybody's out of the bubble from you know for me it's a it's a different question for me in the sense that i don't know how much the nba the nba's players can do on this when yeah when and of course we saw the report i'm sorry i'm blanking on the reporter who actually put together the the stats uh, on was, this i think it was the ringer about the owners yeah, john yes. gonzalez at the ringer yes yeah. shouts yeah. to john gonzalez excellent reporting on his part Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> the public disclosures show that 80%, four-fifths of NBA owners contributed to GOP causes. And that's the big yeah. number. Uh, the, yeah, and there was the, that was not counting one one-time major donation that someone made. And I can't remember the owner or the candidate. The Democratic candidate, but if you take that one, well, James, one-off Do- well, out, James Dolan gave ten G's to to some Democratic candidate. Yeah, or no, cause this was this was bigger than that. I okay. forget who it was, but it was Steve a substantial Ballmer amount on the 
Democratic side, if you take Steve Ballmer out, yeah, there was one. There was one more. outlier that was huge, <laughs> right. and like right. all the other ones were kind of like you know six figures here, five figures there, and there was one big one. And he said, if you take that out, then it's eighty percent. You know, so it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's obvious that you know the owners, and I don't think the owners. I had no expectations that the owners were of ever going to be. Not. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, <laughs> I mean, but but what I but but the reason why I say that da is to a larger point, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. In the last like seven months, I've become just my mind on things has changed so much, and to the point where I just I'm I'm a little annoyed by the vote, 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 vote <laughs> for who, for what. Mind you, again, the NBA who's pushing this vote shit, 80% of their owners donate to the party. And you could be, you can be as partisan as you want to be. There's no denying the fact that the party that tries to deny the franchise from American, as many American citizens as they can is the GOP. So mm-hmm. while the NBA is pushing vote on their freaking NBA finals court or whatever the hell they're doing, their owners are actively, actively pursuing an agenda that is counter to that. So I, I'm just like, I don't like in a certain sense. I'm like, at least I don't have to watch the freaking charade anymore. Honestly, just, that's kind of where right. I'm at with it. Here's here, what I would say is that I don't know that there's a single person out there that gives a damn what Nikki Harrison thinks about the election. I mean, seriously, <laughs> really? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like nobody cares what Mark. Eden, mm-hmm. who I think is a Democrat, by the way, um, or yeah, him and Josh Crank, Josh Cronkey, or or Tillman Fertitta big for that Republicans, matter. big Republicans. Nobody cares it. what they think. <laughs> They're not swaying a single vote. Right. Now, maybe LeBron does. I'm not saying he will, but more people are going to listen to him than I think are going to listen to any owner. That's why I wondered. I just wondered what you all thought. I was curious what you thought about that. Yeah. Well, I also think. America is so entrenched already. I find it hard to believe that the NBA player is going to do something magical here right before the election to sway people's opinion. Like I feel like as Bomani likes to say, Bomani Jones, hashtag two Americas. And I just Mm -hmm. find it hard to believe that like anything LeBron says, contrary to what the GOP or contrary to what he believes um, is the right thing. Like I don't think people are going to be swayed or converted at this point to be like, you know what? Yeah. After several months of seeing Black Lives Matter on the court, you know what? I'm, I I hear you guys. Like, I just don't – like, when you ask DA what is – what's the staying power of this? My question yeah. is how many people at this point are going to be changed by anything these athletes say as long as, like, their mm-hmm. thought leaders who they listen to aren't going to change? And that's, that's a really just dark way to think about it is that it's almost fatalistic to think that we, as a, as an America, we can't change or can't change our thoughts. But I think at this stage, it's, it's asking a lot of the NBA players to kind of change the public opinion about, um, the discourse in this country. And, oh yeah, well, that's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a Sisyphean task for them. It's not going to work. And I, I don't, yeah. And I have no expectation that, that that's going to happen. I just, I guess at some point you just wonder, well, what was the point of all this then? You know, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I don't. And I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to be jaded yeah, or cynical about You are asking some it. deep existential <laughs> yeah. questions. You know, let's right leave now. on this one, DA. Uh, yeah, think about what the, is the point of all of, of this? Yeah. Wow. Well, no, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I'm no, glad you're right. That the players have have stood right. up and made their voices heard. I think the the sitting out, whatever you want to call it, a wildcat strike or whatever it was for that one weekend or that one you know two or three day period where they shut sports down essentially in the united states that's a big deal that's a big deal yes it is a big deal it is a big deal and i think the reason why i bring up the owners da and it's not to belittle what the players did because honestly a worker strike especially in this country who even the most working class of working class people have lost touch with the idea of what it means to be working class. And the idea that these NBA players would strike is incredible to me. And it's something I'll never forget, but I think people need to understand that somebody like George Hill, right? Cause he sticks out in my mind. Cause he was so, his emotions were so raw when he was talking about the strike. Yeah. Um, the, the NBA owner version of George Hill, I promise you can call Mitch McConnell. Okay, oh, George Hill cannot. <laughs> George right. Hill's just a well, guy. He can call him. He's, he can call him. He's, He's not, not going to pick him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, George Hill is just a guy. He's just yeah. a guy. Less LeBron is a special case. LeBron is actually a peer of some of these owners, both financially right. and his power within, you know, society, the class of people that he's in, sure. But the rank and file NBA guy are just guys. They're literally just American citizens. And the reason why I want people to think about the owners, because these are the people who make our rules. (laughs) They just are. They're the most connected. They're the most, they're the, they're the insiders, the ownership class. And I just wish people would understand that, understand that people can wear shirt, warm up jerseys that say vote all they want. But these people actually rub elbows with the people who turn the levers of power in this country. And we need to be talking to them mostly. And again, have we, when's the last time somebody spoke to James Dolan? When's the last time he actually had to answer for anything? We don't even know. Like tomorrow, LeBron James is going to play a game and people are going to talk to him and ask him mm-hmm. whatever the hell they want. That Those yeah. rules don't apply to these guys. Right. And that's what I would like for people to think about, you know? All right, let's end with sports. Let's get everybody on the record. Tom, what, you got Heat how many games? Heat in three. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> heat in seven. And um, I was closer to picking Heat in six than I was heat, uh, Lakers in seven. I was I was very mm. close to Heat in six. Wow. But I'll go Heat in seven, and I will get roasted once the Lakers win in four. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the opposite of, of Tom. I think the Lakers are going to win this in six. I'm tempted to say five. I just think they're going to, they're going to stop this team. Um, and, and, and LeBron's going to get his fourth ring. I'm going Lakers in seven. I just think Anthony Davis is going to have some big moments in the series. As good as Bam is, and he is. Uh, I think he's so good. He's playing on a different level. Um, and we'll see, but we'll see. That's the great thing about sports. So, Thank you, Tom. Thank you for joining us today, man. This was great. Um, let's do this again real soon. Always enjoy having you. Anytime you want to talk Top Chef, you want to look at this year's cast, let me know. We'll do a show. Be happy to do it. We can break it down. 
Waz, thank you as always. Thank you all for listening. Um, leave us that five-star Apple review. Leave us that five-star Spotify review. If it's less than five stars, as we always say, keep it to yourself. See you.